WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. On behalf of the Buffalo Sabres and all of our great fans, we are proud to select from the University of Michigan, Owen Power. The Buffalo Sabres are pleased to select from Lexan in the Swedish Hockey League, Isaac Rosen. I am under the impression that Florida and Buffalo have continued working on that Sam Reinhardt deal. I don't know all the pieces yet. They're going hard at it. It sounds like it's going to come down. I think there's still a trade call that has to take place. But Sam Reinhardt, Buffalo and Florida, they're working to try to close this. Sports Talk Saturday. Good Saturday morning to you. Yes, this voice you haven't heard on a Saturday in three weeks. This voice you've oh, heard for three weeks. Damn it. Everyone was like, oh, I'm here finally. for a fourth week in a row. This guy, they're like, finally, you Brayton's can't get gone. Rid of me, Nate. Thank God. Can't get rid of me. Well, Brayton's going to hang out with me pretty much all day today. Uh, if you, you know, were living under a rock and didn't, well, you almost couldn't even be living under a rock because the NHL drafts on ESPN now. You would have had to at least <laughs> accidentally came across well, it. Well, it was ESPN 2. You still comes in standard cable packages. It does. Which is a win for the, for the yeah. National Hockey League because yeah, for the most fine. part these drafts have been on, you know, networks that... Did you watch the draft last night? I did. Okay. How did what did you think of the the broadcast overall compared to the expansion draft and when they revealed the schedule, quote-unquote? I think the NHL has taken a really good step towards being a more legitimate. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I, I kind of this morning. I kind of rewatched a little bit of like the earlier parts of the draft. They definitely got it right to have Butcher Gross in studio with the guys from the start. Yeah. I mean, he's not there today. I think it's Tony Luffin, but this is NHL Network's coverage. But uh, you know, they they had the right pieces. They they had uh, Sam Costantino from Sportsnet, who we talked to yesterday. They also had. Uh, Kevin Weeks, who's a great, Fantastic. great analyst. Love Kevin Weeks and his work. And also they had Jeff Gorton, the former general manager of the Rangers that just got fired. So they did a really nice job assembling a really good team to break down the draft and analyze the draft. And it seemed like uh, they really made up for the... I don't want to say the disaster the expansion draft was, because it wasn't a complete disaster. No. It was just It was kind of a gong show, I guess. But... I don't know how people would take Gong Show compared to disaster. I also don't want to fully blame ESPN and their coverage when every single pick was known before they announced the I first mean, one. I mean, true, but to have a guy like Chris Fowler hosting it. That was it, an interesting Chris decision. Fowler's never done anything hockey for the network it was or an interesting anything decision. that I read up on him. Yeah. I, I wrote an article at WGR550.com just kind of recapping that event in itself. And... It and reading up on Chris Fowler, and this is and like no offense, Chris Fowler, he does great work. But ESPN, what are you doing putting a college football guy on that does some tennis and some soccer as well? What are you doing putting a guy like that on hockey? It, like, why not? Why not a Linda Cohn? Especially your first, right? Real, your first major yeah. NHL event. They did not do that. And then the next day with the NHL free uh, NHL schedule release. They did that on ESPN as part of their sports center. Um, it was supposed to take place at 6. Didn't get going until 6.30. And if I remember correctly, they spent maybe 10, 15 minutes on it. And then it was like, yeah, done. 
Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, it's still it's a new thing for ESPN. So I, there's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be some tinkering. There's going to be some, to your point, Chris Fowler, right? There's going to be some personnel tweaking um, as they get into the, into the regular season and, and, and into free agency, which I think is kind of the next staple here of what we've known or what we really enjoy about consuming hockey in the offseason, which is the start of free agency and how that looks um, in ESPN, the coverage of that. So um, all in all, uh, yesterday, I think, was a success for the Sabres. Obviously, the first real trade news yesterday that goes down is the Rasmus Wisterlein trade to the Philadelphia uh, Flyers for a first round pick, a second round pick next year, um, and a, a roster player. Uh, remind me again, he's a left-hand shot defense Who's the the other player? That Robert Hag. Robert Hag. Yes. Um, so the Sabers get Robert Hag in that in the return for the wrist alignment trade last night. I was trying to stay up to find out if we were going to see the actual return for a potential Sam Reinhardt trade to the Florida Panthers. That did not materialize. I woke up expecting to get caught up on that, and it still has yet to be materialized. But the Sabres do pick 33rd overall, first pick this morning, um, which uh, should be getting underway just any moment now. Franklin, uh, you have an update for us. It looked like you you had a, you had a face that you wanted to update. Well, we have a trade. We have a trade. It minor in, of you know minor very, in general. Very minor. Very. I mean, literally minor because it's minor <laughs> it's all players. minor leagues. Yeah. But hey, it's something. You know, the L.A. Kings acquire Braden Burke, his RFA rights, and Tyler Steenbergen, yep. his RFA rights, going to the Arizona Coyotes. And the other end of the deal, Cole Holtz and Boko Imama. What a name! That is Boko that Imama. is definitely a name. By the way, uh, Tyler Steenbergen was the player from Team Canada who scored the game-winning goal at the gold medal game when the tournament was here in Buffalo. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, some some minor moves taking place. Let me get you caught up really quick on today's schedule. We are here for an extra hour today until 3 p.m. Our normal show on Saturdays is 11 to 2. Today will be 11 to 3 coverage. We will bring you up-to-date uh, draft coverage as it happens if trades if draft picks if traded draft picks because you got you got to put both of those together um happen brayton and franklin have you covered um throughout the uh the morning here what's what's left of the morning and into the afternoon paul hamilton is going to join us here in just a minute as well to uh kind of go over the happenings of yesterday and uh and moving into today sale capaccio he's going to join me at 11 30 we're going to talk a little training camp because we are going to get some football in today training camp is just a couple of days away Way. Um, and so we'll have sales, um, Sal Capaccio at 11:30. Benjamin Albright, who I a couple weeks ago uh, wasn't able to connect with to do our Broncos preview, he's going to join us at 12:30. With this whole Aaron Rodgers news coming down this week, all the sports books across Las Vegas have dropped the basically dropped betting Green Bay win odds from their sports book, which indicates uh, that there's a lot of speculation Aaron Rodgers is going to announce his retirement on Monday. So we'll talk to uh, Benjamin Albright about what the ramifications there in Denver are. 1 o'clock, Mike Catalana of Fox in uh, Rochester, he's going to join us as well, talk a little Bills training camp. Uh, David Pagnota, the fourth period at 2 o'clock, and Joe Yerden at 2.30. So we've got a little uh, sandwiched football talk in between a bunch of hockey talk today and another quick, not I guess breaking news, but it's over the last two hours or so. The Colorado Avalanche announced a uh, contract extension for their star defenseman, Cal uh, McCarr. He signs a six-year, $54 million contract at $9 million per year he on average, which less is less than Seth Jones. Than Seth Jones. Yeah. That's in itself a crime. Some, some galaxy brain stuff. 
Uh, uh, yeah. do, we, do we have Paul <laughs> yes. Hamilton ready? Yes, we do. All right, let's go to the Western Hotline now and say a good morning to our very own Paul Hamilton. Paul, good morning to you, and um, happy day two of the NHL draft. <laughs> We're going, and... Uh, yeah, it's good to see Makar. Uh, interesting, a six-year deal, you know, that they want. Yeah. He winds up getting from the Avalanche. It's it's interesting how it always used to be. Well, it's going to be eight years. It's going to be eight years. But now, you know, maybe starting with Marner or even before that, you know, sometimes you get five, sometimes you get eight. Now we get six. You know, it's it's interesting how each player treats this and how many years they want to go forward before they want to quote cash in again. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Paul, because at 28 years old, Makar will be, you know, kind of ready for that next contract, and that's sort of going to be in the prime of his career. He would think he's going to likely stand to make considerably more when the salary cap inevitably continues going up. Yeah, and it also ties into, you know, as we talk about, you know, what what is what is Darlene going to do? Yeah. You know, uh, right now i wouldn't be comfortable with giving him eight million or or nine million or anything like that you know something six to six and a half if i'm the sabers i think i'd be trying to do that for an eight-year deal you know right but uh, i I, if i'm rasmus dalene and his agent i don't think there's any way i would do that you know i would think i i would bet on the player if i were them you know rasmus dalene bet on himself that you know what I, I really started coming on under Don Granado. I'm starting to feel more comfortable. I need to become Rasmus Dahlin before I sign an eight-year deal or anything like that because I can do a lot better than six, six-and-a-half, five-and-a-half, whatever he would be able to pull down in an eight-year deal right now. I don't think the Sabres would be comfortable going eight, nine million right now You know, with where he is in his development. So... Um, if I'm if I'm them, I, I don't think I'm looking for. I think I'm looking for maybe a two-year deal, a three-year deal, a bridge deal. I be, then I'm I'm going to bet on myself that I'm going to become Rasmus Dahlin and play the way I know I can, and then I'm going to you know really cash in after a couple of years. Paul, let's uh, before we sort of get into how the Sabers fared um, in the first round, let's talk a little bit about the first real trade news of the afternoon yesterday, which is Ristolainen um, finally right getting traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. Your your overall thoughts first before we talk about the ramifications coming this way. The Sabers obviously getting a first round pick this year that they they make that selection 14th overall, thirteenth um, with Arizona's pick being uh, being taken away um, overall. How do you see the fit there in Philadelphia for Ristolainen, a player that um, I think for the most part was thought to be maybe having some of his value stipend just based on some of his underlying analytics numbers, but here we are, an NHL GM today, or yesterday, paying a first and second round pick and a rostered player coming in return. That's crazy. I mean, uh, great job by Kevin Adams. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and think I ever thought that he could get a first round pick for Ristolainen, and got he got more than that so i i just think it's a great job um i under i undervalued what i thought ristolina would be worth now it's up to the flyers what can he do with the flyers well if they put him out there with the number one pair the same thing's going to happen that happened in buffalo you know it's not going to work for them if they can put him on a second pair or a third pair where he belongs and not having him out 25 minutes a game um i think he will fail some fare somewhat better the thing is and the thing I'm questioning from a flyer standpoint is, you know, a guy like Haig is a guy who liked to hit, but it's not really the way the Flyers are coached now. They're not a team that 
does a huge amount of hitting and that type of thing. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and um, it, it's interesting. You know, all right, well, what are you getting Aristolainen? I mean, he takes himself out of position to make big hits, which is one of his minuses. I mean, you love the hit, but when he comes from the right defense position, comes in the neutral zone and then starts coming across, cuts in front of his defensive partner, now he's over almost on the left wing wall as he tries to demolish somebody. Well, yeah, you demolish somebody, and you also just gave up a two-on-one or a three-on-one for your partner because you took yourself way out of position. But, uh, you know, so that's that's what was puzzling for me. It's it's not really what the Flyers are about is hitting, and it's not it's not the old Flyers, so to speak. Uh, so, the, you know, that, that puzzled me, but uh, certainly a great return for Kevin Adams. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that, Paul, really quickly, the, the Kevin Adams angle to this, particularly – it's not exactly been the most positive offseason thus far. Obviously, right from the beginning with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt and their, their end-of-season press conferences really put, I think, a pretty negative cloud over this organization that had already sort of been existing before those conversations were happening within the media. Talk a little bit about what that first trade potentially does to maybe the confidence level in Kevin Adams, not just from this fan base, but I think if you're Terry and Kim Pagula, who it appears anyways, at least from the cameras, have taken a bit of a hands-off approach and have given Kevin Adams and his new team of front office members the power and the ability to make the decisions and run this franchise the way that they believe that it needs to be ran. How much confidence does this give you and maybe your feel of the fan base and the confidence that they felt about Kevin Adams after, I think, I don't want to say a fleece job, but it certainly felt like the Sabres won that trade going away oh they did and you know it's, it's the jury's still out on Kevin you know I, I we just don't know you know how he's going to react I mean last year a lot of his decisions were made by Ralph Kruger Ralph Kruger wanted certain players Kevin Adams went out and got them Kruger was given way too much leeway and power when it came to that and uh, that's over with now it is Kevin Adams show and uh, him and Carmanos uh, in, in in, in cahoots together and, and they go over everything and it is his show. Um, as far as all the things that went on, I mean, Kevin Adams has a vision and I always say with a GM, whether I agree with the vision or not, I admire a GM that doesn't listen to me, doesn't listen to me, me, the media, doesn't listen to the fans. He has a vision of what he needs to do and he goes out and executes it. And that's what a GM needs to do. He can't be wishy-washy. He can't be sitting there going, well, if I do this, are the fans going to get mad at me or am I going to get killed on Twitter or, right. you know, that kind of thing. He has to have a vision for what he thinks. His vision doesn't include Jack Eichel. I mean, Jack Eichel's injury is part of this, yes, but I, quite honestly, I think Kevin Adams would be trading Jack Eichel if there was no neck injury. Um, I just don't think he sees that as his vision of guys that want to be in Buffalo, guys that are all about, you know, team. Uh, I, I think there's a... There's a lot of entitlement in that locker room that he's trying to get out of there. And, um, you know, and so, you know, I think really it was if you if you really boil it down, I think it was Adam's decision that mm. they need to move on from Jack Eichel and move on as a franchise. And, you know, a lot of things need to be changed. And he, I think he felt that was one of them.
Paul Hamilton joining me here on the West Her Hotline. We have our Sports Talk Saturday extended NHL draft coverage. We're on until 3 p.m. today. If you miss any of our guests, of course, you could go to WGR550.com or right through the Odyssey app and go to on-demand audio. Paul, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the reported trade that went down last night of Sam Reinhart going to the Florida Panthers. It hasn't been finalized yet. There's a lot of speculation that the Sabres may be waiting until the draft kicks off again this morning to officially make the trade call and and uh, announce the the return on that Sam Reinhardt trade but before we get into the details of the trade I, I'm interested in your thoughts about his fit in Florida in Joel Quenville's uh, system there yeah I, I think Sam Sam's a smart player I mean there's no question about that that's one of his strengths so I don't think Sam would have any problem fitting into uh, any any system and I believe the Sabres have made their pick they did uh, they they made the selection and it's Prokhor Poltapov, if I pronounced that correctly. Eighteen year old left winger, six feet, one hundred seventy six hey pounds. Hey Paul, it's a Russian forward. It is a Russian forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we were just talking about that last yeah. night. And they must have been listening. Yeah. I mean, uh, here See, we go. Paul, you 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 said that Kevin Adams shouldn't be listening to you or to social media, and here we are on the first pick on day two. <laughs> So, yeah, he's looking up here, 25 goals, 27 assists in 61 games. Uh, so in the MHL. Some nice size on him, too, six feet. I mean, specifically looking back at Rosen, because Rosen's not the largest guy, right? That The guy that they, they took 13th overall, or 14th, I should say. Yeah, that's the thing, his size, but, boy, he's a nifty player. Yeah. You know, I was watching a lot of highlights of his, and uh, he, he just has a lot of skill. They saw that skill uh, when they they had like five scouts at the under-18s, and he he scored seven goals and nine points in seven games, and a lot of it in what you would call spectacular fashion. You know, just real nice skill type of goals. But, yeah, the size is – and he talked about it yesterday that he's, you know, doing a lot of weightlifting and trying to get himself stronger. He understands that – you know, he's played with and against men, and he understands that he's going to have to get bigger and stronger. But from a skill standpoint, certainly he's not lacking in that at all. Sam, um, uh, Paul, going back to the Sam Reinhardt discussion a little bit here and, and his fit in Florida, I, you know, I guess the, the thing for me that I find interesting about this trade um, is, you know, ultimately – the view of Sam Reinhardt within the organization and within the fan base, I do think there's a there's probably a sentiment amongst the fan base that feels that that Reinhardt was was underrated, a player that maybe wasn't appreciated as much for the things that he did on the ice. Because I I, I do think that there was a level of distraction in sort of the way that he. I don't know, approached things off of the ice, particularly within the media. So I think there was kind of a disconnect there between the player that he was on the ice and the player that he portrayed himself to be, particularly this last uh, this last season, right, where I think the most recent season is going to end up sticking in the minds of most people about his last year in Buffalo. And he just didn't really seem like he very much wanted to be here, particularly at the end. So, like, with that attitude potentially going into that Florida locker room with a very veteran coach in Quenville, a team that, you know, ended up, going up a few games in Tampa and then kind of blowing a 2 nothing lead against the Lightning in the playoffs this year. Do you believe he's a player that helps them get to the next level? Yeah, I do. I, I, what we started saying before we got rudely interrupted That's by the right, Sabres by a making draft a pick. Come on. <laughs> um, a Sam, Russian one too, Paul, <laughs> yeah, exactly. nonetheless. 
Sam Sam is a smart player. He can adopt adapt to any any system, any coach. Uh, I don't think he'll have any problem at all. Uh, you know, Quenville's going to be a different type of coach for him. He'll be fine. I mean, uh, and quite honestly, I wouldn't blame Sam Reinhart if he felt disrespected here from the standpoint he was never offered a long-term deal. He's sitting there going, look at the deal Skinner got. Right. How come nobody offers me anything? Like, I get offered two-year deals or one-year deals. And it's and, – why? I mean, he's been a very consistent producer, he, he all all the way through his career. So I would. He's never mentioned it. I want to stress that he's never mentioned that he feels slighted or anything. But how could he not? Yeah. I mean, everybody everybody's getting paid. He's getting paid, but not. He doesn't get contracts that I think he deserved through his play. And so I don't blame him for wanting not wanting to be here anymore why would you first of all it's been just horrendous losing not just losing but horrendous losing his whole career and then the 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 sabers everybody gets paid but him i mean that's kind of the way he could look at it so why i i totally understand why he wouldn't want to be here anymore and you know that's one of the things adam's talked about is if players don't want to be here then they're going to move on fine i mean it, it doesn't work. He doesn't want to be here. I, I, I totally I totally understand why he would think that. And I'm speculating again because he hasn't said why he would think that, nor would he. I mean, why, why would he come out in the media and say, I feel disrespected or anything like that? That's not going to get him anywhere. Um, so I, I get it, and I understand it. But I, I think he'll be fine in Florida, and I think he will be a good addition for them. Paul, um, some of the rumored return for Reinhardt, um, obviously a, a goalie that was uh, that's been in uh, Florida system and obviously was just um, kind of the star of the show in the World Juniors this year, um, and and you add in the potential of a roster player and a first round pick. What do you believe his RFA status, if any, had to play in the potential return that Kevin Adams got? And and do you believe that he's a potential like? long-term contract extension candidate in Florida, or do you believe that more than likely this might be a one-year tryout and, and he gets to UFA status? No, I think Florida would make the deal knowing that they would have a good opportunity to give him a contract extension. As far as Devin Levi goes, I mean, this is a guy that didn't play in his freshman year at Northeastern. He's going to his sophomore year this year. The goaltenders they had last year are not there anymore, so I imagine he's going to get some playing time there. But it was it was what he did. I mean, so the, his last regular gig was in the CCHL, where he put up he was thirty four two and one. <laughs> he had a one four seven in this junior league and a nine forty one save percentage. But I think where where it was impressive is where he played for Team Canada in the World Juniors in seven games. His goals he gave up four goals. His goals against was point seven five. As they With a went broken to, rib, by the way. Yeah, as they went on to the silver medal, a 964 save percentage. You might remember Dylan Cousins was on that team too. So I'm sure that's what the Sabres saw when, when they scouted. And I remember watching him at tournament. He was phenomenal. He was great. Um, so, you know, he's going to go the college route. As I said, uh, you know, he, he, I think, I don't know the other two goalies that Northeastern have. I looked at their roster, but they, you know, they didn't register to me. But as I said, I think Levy is going to get a chance to, you know, play at Northeastern in Hockey East, which I think will be good for him. But uh, certainly, his last year in junior and and at the world and at the World Juniors, he was phenomenal. 
Paul, last thing for you, Owen Power, um, obviously the the Sabres' first overall draft pick. Um, conversation kind of turned to whether or not his, you know, what his desire is to go back to school or to play in the NHL. Um, what are your overall thoughts about how the Sabres want to approach this or how you think they should approach this as a player that I think has the ability to go back to Michigan this year, dominate at that level, get an extra year of development before he goes into the NHL? Let's just be honest with each other. You know, I, I don't see a lot of good reasons to bring up a guy this year when when I think most of us believe this is not a Sabres team that's ready to compete yet. Yeah, Owen Power said last night, and I brought it up to Adams and he agreed, there really isn't a bad option here. Sure. You know, either way, either way I think he's going to be fine. I mean, if he goes back to Michigan, how can that team not <laughs> compete for a national championship? Right. They've already got, well, Portillo's their goaltender, as we know. They've already got... Uh, Matty Beneers and Johnson and, and Power and now Hughes is going to show up. I mean, four. I mean, potentially four of the first five draft picks out of this draft are going to be playing for Michigan this year. It's like crazy. So you know, one more year of development in college would be fine. Power believes, and I would agree that he could also step into the NHL if he wants to. Adam said, "I, I kind of surprised." They, they they said when they did their interview. It wasn't brought up, so they haven't talked about it yet. And Adam said, you know, it's something that they're going to have to talk about and try to decide what is best for his development. And that's why, like, Power, he wants to go back to school, but he's not totally married to the idea. I think he's going to listen to what the Sabres say and what they feel proper development is. So, uh, you know, I, I sure, sure there's going to be input. Now they can't have direct contact with him because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't declared that he's going to be going to the NHL, but you know how that works. You talk to advisors yeah. who happen to be agents, sure. but now they're advisors. <laughs> Consultants, you know, yes. Yeah. yeah. And who, honestly, who would know if Kevin Adams made a phone call to power? I mean, come on. I mean, it's not like this NHL sits there and pulls everybody's phone records. So, uh, you know, we know how this all goes. So so they'll, they'll, dis- they'll discuss it and figure out what's best for him. But I agree with both – both of them that I don't think there's a bad option here if he goes back to school I think he'll be fine if he jumps into the NHL I also think he'll be fine all right Paul thank you for your time this morning uh unfortunately you are like a doctor today you're on call if anything crazy happens uh you, you will be getting a ring from Franklin all right oh I will be here definitely so yeah just text me uh if you'd like to do this again sounds good Paul appreciate you Paul Hamilton there on the West Her Hotline. I'm going to take a timeout. Sal Capaccio is going to join me. We're going to get a quick training camp uh, preview, update, what, what have you. And, uh, yes, we'll do that next. We'll kind of switch a little bit to football here in the next hour, an hour and a half, and we'll bring you continued coverage of the 2021 NHL draft that is now underway, day two here on WGR. It's Sal Capaccio. I make a special Capaccio for you, right? Yes. Oh, now that sounds really good. Oh, you like? Hey, get away. Get away from my wife with that. What's the matter, Carpaccio no good? What? What do you do now? They don't like a Carpaccio. They oh. like Carpaccio. Oh. On WGR. I make a Capaccio for you. Sports Radio 550. All right, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. We've got coverage of the 2021 NHL Draft, and we are getting you ready for training camp, which is just a few days away. And joining me now for a hot second on the Wester Hotline before he gets his coaching underway today is Sale Capaccio. Sale, good morning. And um, 
So does Max team with you? So you're coaching. Do you guys do? Does the league do like they all play under Major League Baseball team names? So like you know they might be the Red Sox and another team might be like the Rangers and they get to wear the gear and all that, or they just have like totally separate names. So it's half. It's kind of it's yes. The answer is, but they don't go by the nicknames. They go by the city name. Oh, okay. But they do use the logo. So Max actually plays for Los Angeles. And he has an Angels cap, but they don't call him the Angels. They just call him Los Angeles. Interesting. I, but, you know, that was sort of my favorite part of Little League Baseball was sort of right. getting to rep the team. It, you know, it yeah. makes you feel like, you know, you're, 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 you're playing in the big leagues. It was fun. So you'll, you'll have a lot of fun today. Thank you for joining me for a couple minutes here just to help me preview um, training camp, which is just in a few days. First and foremost, Sale, um, want to start with you um, going into training camp. There's a lot of talk. Obviously, the, the last few days have just been sort of a, a big distraction about, you know, I don't want to call it infighting. It's not infighting, but there is back and forth on a very public forum between a player like Cole Beasley and Jerry Hughes, who are veterans in this league. I'm wondering what you believe, if any, the 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 Sean McDermott element of this whole thing is we haven't heard from the coach, we haven't heard from the GM, we've just been watching this sort of play out on social media. Uh, you know, as you get ready to get into training camp here, it's not at St. John Fisher, so it's, it's a little different. But I suspect that, you know, come day one when Sean McDermott gets his first media scrum, this is going to be a big topic of conversation for him. And and I'm wondering, knowing that you've covered this team for a long time, you've covered Sean since he's gotten here, how little he's going to be enthused about discussing those things when we've got a first day of football ready to go? Well, I think he knows it's going to happen. But, you know, this is something he's had to discuss now for several months. And, um you know, I thought he's. I think he's handled it really well. But now we're at a different point, and we see the things that Cole Beasley has said and tweeted. And now we see, like you said, Jerry Hughes as well. Um, you know, and and I think Sean he'll be prepared for it. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to say. My guess would be, knowing how he operates, that he's going to make sure that it's clear, and he's going to send a message, maybe even to his team through the media, that says, no matter what your feelings, you still have a job to do, and we're going to all do our job together. And when it comes time, you can have an opinion about the vaccine or politics or whatever. But when it comes to playing football, we all got to be in the same team and pulling in the same direction. I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, that's going to be his message to his team, probably be his message to the media and through the media to his team. Um, but I also would tell you that I, I'm sure that he, this is not something he would rather be dealing with right now, uh, or any team for that matter. You know, the, little, the fewer distractions, the better for any team in the National Football League. They want tight, buttoned-up ships. And right now, um, this is something that a team that has Super Bowl aspirations that can creep in that he's going to have to manage and he's going to have to make sure that uh, things don't go awry. But I think that he's going to try and keep the focus on football for his players. Uh, Sale, I do wonder what your overall thoughts are this week. I mean, listen, the reason that this sort of got drudged back up is the league's response um, this week, or really their announcement about how they're going to be handling the unvaccinated players, what the potential ramifications are. And this week you saw, listen, and this isn't just Cole Beasley. This isn't just players in Buffalo. You see DeAndre Hopkins. You see some of these big-name NFL players kind of going out and talking about their displeasure with, A, the league and their potential response to unvaccinated players but b there seems to be a little bit there's almost this underlying feeling that there's being some shots being taken at the nflpa um and maybe their inability or their unwillingness to i I guess defend the players in this or defend the players from the league and how they're trying to address this overall what's your sense about how the players not just in buffalo but 
it, it across the league and into the NFLPA are going to handle how the league has very much not mandated people get vaccines. But let's be honest, Sal, they made it very difficult for players who aren't going to be vaccinated. So on the PA stuff first, there's a few things here. Number one, um, it's not even underlying. It is straight out, like, guys have taken shots at the PA. Um, Cole Beasley did when he wrote his thing uh, a couple months ago. Uh, we've had other players come out and basically blast them. And their issue is that the NFLPA is it's a union. A union is supposed to protect the rights of all of its members. And they feel, many of these guys feel, that, um, they are not doing that, that they're only protecting a certain, um, a certain group, uh, the group that, you know, is fine with getting vaccinated or whatever, you know. So that's where that frustration is coming from. And that's right. Now we talk about the NFL has they, – they, they're walking a fine line here, but they have a lot of lawyers, and I'm sure they went through everything they can and can't do without actually mandating the vaccine. They haven't mandated it, but they basically made it super-duper tough on you if you don't want to get it, and that's their right. And – funny when a lot of those protocols came out the other day i had people tell me ah wait till the nflpa sees this but you don't think the nfl knew the nflpa wasn't going to have a problem with it they already they they can't do anything about it the nfl wasn't going to put out a bunch of policies like this without running it by and knowing that the nflpa um either a knew about it or b couldn't do anything about it which they can't and then you know the the part about for example not being paid either team if there's a breakout there's a, a game canceled even the pa came out and said well, yeah, that's what it was last year too. We just never had that situation, so we're you know we're okay with it. This is what it is. You don't play, you don't get paid. So yeah, this is um, this is the NFL basically doing everything, going all the way to the edge of the cliff, doing everything possible they can without actually mandating it. But they're allowed to do it that way. It's their league, and they're running it. And so far, you know, the NFLPA has not fought back, and the NFL has really good lawyers to make sure that they are doing it so that the NFLPA can't fight back. Sal, let's uh, transition a little bit and, t- and talk a little bit of football, in particular training camp this week. There are several position battles I think we've all been hyper-analyzing since what? I mean, April, since the draft, since we knew um, who the Bills were going to be adding to the roster from a rookie perspective. What do you think is the most intriguing you know, training camp battle? Is it that left guard position? Is it cornerback two? Is it the running back position? Because I, I do think that I think a lot of people have sort of been focusing in on who's going to be the lead back, and, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the right way to look at the running back situation, because I think everyone's going to get a level of carries, and what the lead back in this offense really gets volume-wise is going to be an interesting thing to see and how that plays out this year. But like, is there a position one more than another? Maybe you're, 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 you're really zoning in on and, and, and as we move closer to training camp. Well, first I agree that the running back to me, there's no running back battle because I agree. Not really. Yeah. There's not a, there's not a clear cut. There's not a guy that's going to be on the field all the time. They're both going to play. So what's the battle really? You know what I mean? The battle might be if Matt Breida can unseat one of these guys or something like that, there might be a battle there, but there's no running. There's no, running back one battle because it's not going to be a true running back one in this offense, basically. Um, so I don't see it that way. Um, I, I think cornerback two is super intriguing because of what we all, we've all seen from Dane Jackson. I, we want to see in preseason and training camp, can Dane Jackson unseat Levi Wallace? Levi Wallace has had um, every contender come his way and he's still holding the belt, right? I mean, like he, he just, he comes up and he holds it over his head that he, he knocks down and wins and stays and keeps his, uh, his intercontinental title basically every single time. And this, here comes Dane Jackson now. He's the next challenger. Can he take it away from him? Can he even, you know, rotate? The, 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 I, I, this isn't a starting spot, but the one that I'm super interested about is at safety three. Mm. Um, if, if Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer miss any time, 
who's playing? Because it was Dean Marlowe, who did a great job. He's gone. He's in Detroit. Now, they don't miss a lot of time. We know that. But it's possible they could. So I think that's a really interesting one, that battle. Plus, I'll also say, what, how does it all work with Diggs, Beasley, mm. Sanders, and Davis? Like, what are those snap counts? So I'm not looking at those, those as a quote-unquote battle. What I am looking about is there, there's got to be guys, though, who are going to have to, you know, deserve and show they deserve more reps and more talent. If you want to maybe give a battle for the bottom of the roster, I think the last wide receiver spot is going to be interesting, whether that's Isaiah McKenzie or Jay Kumaro or Duke Williams, Isaiah Hodgins. I think that's a really good battle. It's not a starting spot, but, hey, here we are talking about battles at the back end of the roster. That shows that your team is pretty good. Sal, last thing for you, uh, I'll, I want to move away from the NFL and ask you a hockey question uh, because yesterday, obviously, you know, you and you and I both, uh, although we 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 definitely veer towards football, I think both of us, um, you know, know and and are and, and watch and know enough about hockey to be pretty surprised about the wrist align and trade yesterday, particularly because. It's been something I think a lot of fans have been yearning for for the better part of three, four, maybe even five years now. It finally gets done, and Kevin Adams gets way more than I think anybody thought Restalina was going to get in return. Just your your overall thoughts, the fact that the Sabres end up with a rostered player, a first and a second-round pick for Rasmus Restalina. Yeah, I'm stunned too, but, you know, I, I, always felt that this is the, I always felt that this was the reason why they protected Risto over Will Borgen, which was they knew they could get something. They knew they could get something in return for Ristolainen. And so, you know, why leave him unprotected? And then he walks for free, basically. So now, but to me, like, even if, even if a first-rounder could be in the discussion, which I always felt that there's such a differing opinion on Ristolainen around the league, <clears throat> a lot of this comes down to analytics versus eye test, that kind of thing. And if there's a team, I, I, I've always believed that there's got to be a team out there that really likes him, likes his measurables, likes all, you know, the, what, the, the physicality, whatever. So maybe they'll give you a late first-round pick. But to get... 14 overall yeah. and a second round pick and a rostered player and now you're you know eliminating that salary as well yeah i mean i think they did a great job do we know the exact details on the reinhardt trade i woke up this morning i had a flag football game i couldn't see i know not i know the goalie wasn't involved yeah not yet coming. devin levi and potentially a first round pick next year i mean that the only thing that i've seen that has been widely reported is just the devin levi part of it but other than that, there has, um, there has no, been some nothing. Talk, there is, has been some talk. It could be a potential uh, rostered forward as well. Yep. Uh, but we haven't really had a clear. It's it's interesting, Sale, that the trade came down from you know the Dreggers and the Freedmans of the world, and yet we still don't have the actual details yeah. of, of the move. So we will uh, we will be bringing it to everyone that's listening as soon as that information is made available to us. And Paul Hamilton will be along for the way as well today, as long as as well as Brayton. So Sal, thank you so much for jumping on, helping me preview a little bit of training camp as we get closer and closer to that. We'll be uh, looking forward to your work and your coverage of training camp, and uh, enjoy your game today. And uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Thank you, and I want to say um, best of luck to Owen Parker today, Bulldog's son. Um, yes, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Oh yeah, to see and hear his name called amongst the NHL draftees. It would be pretty special to uh, see that. And um, you know, I know he's on the radar, so to speak. So you know, we'll see if that happens. So I just want to throw out best of luck. You know, he's got a lot of a lot of people that would 
that would be a really, Absolutely. really great story for all of us in Buffalo and especially WGR. Yeah, I would be great. I would it'd love it if it happened while we were here on the show as well watching. Mm-hmm. It would be awesome. All right, Sal, thank you so thank much, you man. Enjoy. Sal Capaccio okay, there uh, on the Wester Hotline. A quick timeout. What do you got, Brayden? Uh, Elliot Freeman is reporting that there is potential trade activity between the Blue Jackets and the Flyers, and it could be involving Cam Atkinson and Ooh. Jacob Voracek. Oh. Voracek would be going back to Columbus. Oh. That's where Vorchak, I believe, began his career. Yes, was in and Columbus. Atkinson is a very good player. He's very well he's known. He's a very well known player around here. When he's healthy. Jeremy would tell you that. Yeah, when, when he's healthy. All right, timeout. Other side. We'll preview hour two. It's coming up next here on WGR. All right, final segment of Hour 1 coming your way here. It'll be short as it normally is, but it's not just, you know, a complete throwaway. I think I got to break only, like, three minutes late instead of my normal, like, seven minutes late. So, I mean, I technically have, like, roughly two minutes and 50 seconds Hey, look here. at you. Look I at am, you go. I'm a grown boy. I'm, I'm a grown boy. Um, quickly, Brayton, I want to just get your overall thoughts. You kind of touched on the, the the trade that has now at least, at least been confirmed by several other um, NHL reporters and outlets. Yep. Uh, the Cam Atkinson for Voracek trade. Um, your overall thoughts on what potential Columbus is getting back there. Because it seems like, I, I think I, I feel like I agree with the, the trade of them moving Atkinson out. But you're bringing a, a veteran who is probably older than Atkinson at this point back in. And yeah. where they are in their... Voracek are is, they rebuilding? Is that the... They should be rebuilding. The they, should, they should try to get the mindset of rebuilding just because kind of what they got going on right now, it's not really working. It's, it's sort of like Minnesota's situation. They've got good talent and they can contend to make the playoffs, but... If you're not pushing more than, you know, the second round or anything else like that in the playoffs, you're kind of just middling at this yeah. point. You're, you're not really making any progress. You're kind of almost spinning the tires. So they have some assets there that they can spin off. Like Atkinson is a perfect example. And, you know, they're bringing in Voracek, who they drafted in 2007 in the seventh round. So they're bringing him back. You would think maybe they could flip him again at some I mean, point they, they maybe they could. I'm not entirely sure, but... Certainly, it's interesting to see what Columbus is trying to do, and I mean, we're still it's waiting on a Sam Reinhardt Philadelphia is trying to. Oh do. yeah, yeah. Philadelphia's got to figure out. I mean, they. I mean, I mean, crap. They they just traded for Rasmus Ristolainen and Ryan gave up Ellis, a ton for him. Ristolainen, Ryan Ellis, and Atkinson. I mean, mm-hmm. th- those are three. I mean, they've given up some assets in that process as well. Very true. Um, but I, I will say, I, I don't hate. Uh, listen, you can you can say that Philadelphia overpaid for Ristolainen mm-hmm. and, and every and have everyone agree. But when you talk about his actual role within that, and it, that's kind of what Paul was talking about. If if the plan is, which it doesn't appear that way, the plan of having him go in and play first, you know, first pair of minutes, it doesn't really look like that's the situation. So maybe he'll proper he'll be properly slotted within that the that defensive hierarchy. But like, I I don't hate what Philadelphia has done to try to potentially take the next step this year. I, I just wonder ultimately, you know, what kind of impact Atkinson can have at this point in his career. He's thirty two years old. He'll be thirty three mm-hmm. um, at some point this season. He's coming off of a season with 34 points in 56 games. He hasn't been the Cam Atkinson that's been that player since 2018-2019 when he scored 41 goals. This is a 40-goal scorer one time, a 30-goal scorer one time. So Philadelphia is going to get a a pretty good asset in Atkinson in return. Uh, Quickly, just to catch you up a little bit on what's going on in the draft, 
Uh, the Coyotes drafted Shane Doan's son Makes in the sense. second Checks round, out. Josh Doan. So um, I think Shane Doan's part of the organization, so that's a little bit there. Carolina, they uh, they drafted a very good defenseman in Scott Morrow. Uh, lots of potential there, and Carolina just continues to find these really nice defensive gems in like the you know later rounds, not just first, but you know it's like second round on. Uh, and then one of the one of the top remaining centers that were on the board, Francesco Pinelli, is off the board now. He is now going to the Los Angeles Kings. So Sabres are coming up here at 53, I believe. So they're about nine picks away still, but um, certainly still some interesting name, uh, names on the board, and we'll see where the board falls when it gets to them. All right, let's take a quick timeout. I've got Brayton with me all afternoon today to help us go get through this draft coverage, uh, get you up to date on any trades, any moves being made by both Buffalo and the rest of the league. So uh, so thanks to Brayton there. We'll have several other guests over the next two and three hours. Coming up in the next hour, I do have Benjamin Albright. We'll talk a little Denver Broncos. That's coming up next here on WGR.